This is Transistor.fm. Welcome to the Product People Show. This is Justin Jackson here. You can follow me on Twitter at the letter M, the letter I, and Justin, M-I, Justin. So it's been a while since I released a show. I'm so sorry about that. I got so busy with travel, went to Portland for a week and uh, to attend the Sprintly Quick Left Grand Opening right in downtown Portland in the historic Hawthorne building. It was a great party, great time. Thanks for all the folks that hosted me in Portland. Uh, my buddy Chase Reeves took me out for an amazing meal over at Pock Pock. And um, yeah, just got to hang out with some good folks. Hung out with Colin from Customer.io. Met Tom Dale from Ember.js. And uh, just had a good time. But this week, we're back with a really great show, Brian Castle from CassJam.com. He's involved in all sorts of things, but recently he's been focused on productized services. Don't know what a productized service is? Well, listen in because you're about to find out. But first, Striker Metal. Hey everybody, it is Justin Jackson here, and I am with Brian Castle. How's it going, Brian? Going good. Thanks, Justin. Now, Brian is into so many things, it's going to be hard to to mention them all. He blogs at casjam.com. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, casjam. Casjam. Yeah, C-A-S-J-A-M.com. You know, like my... Nickname growing up was Cass for, for Castle and uh, Jam. I don't, you know, this is this goes back to my uh, AOL screen name when I was like 13 years old. That you know, it was Cass Jam. Stuck with it. I, I got the domain name when I was you know what like 17, 18 years old or something, and then um, stuck with it. I don't, I don't know. What Were you always into technology? Were you always interested in business? Um, that's yeah, that's a good question. You know, I. I was always into technology. I was, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a web designer by trade, and I started out as a teenager, you know, um, tinkering around with HTML in the uh, in, in the GeoCities days, you know. Um, uh, but I was also very what, much. What community were you in? I was Yosemite. Oh, I, I don't I don't know it that well. <laughs> I mean, my memory is just not good enough. But um, yeah, like you know, I I, I think. My first memory of creating websites was creating one for my band. You know, I was playing music in in high school bands and then in, in bands in college. And as like an amateur web designer, I, I you know, I, I put together a website for my band. And then, um, so I, I was kind of always into technology and and also design and design for the web. And I've always been into that um, kind of merger of you know, like creative uh, design. Yeah. And how do you describe yourself 
are you a designer? Are you a developer? Are you uh, how do you when you're at a cocktail party? How do you introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah, you know, for years it's it, it, when someone says, "What do you do?" I say, "Web designer," and it, that, it's it's harder to say that these days because I don't you know exactly do web design consulting work anymore. Anytime you say web design at a cocktail party or meet you know anywhere, it's like, oh, you do websites? Can you make me a website? <laughs> and yeah. it's like, no, not, not really. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I guess I'm a web designer by trade. Uh, the developer side of things, yeah, I, you know, I can develop. I'm, I'm much more on a front-end guy. So I know WordPress development pretty well, and I know HTML, CSS. That's, that's been my thing for, for years. Back-end development, database stuff, I, I better not touch it because I'll probably break something. Not as much. Yeah. Now, how did you first get into products? You've, if you've always been into computers and the web, when did you first get interested in products? Yeah, so I was a freelance web designer. So I started after college. I um, couldn't get a job in the music industry, so I, um, I got a job at, at a web design agency in New York and uh, worked there full-time for three years, and then I went out on my own as a freelance web designer and did freelance web work for for years. Um, so I went. I became a freelancer about seven or eight years ago, and then about three years ago, I started really making the push to get out of the client work and into products. And so the first digital product that I created was uh, WordPress themes. Um, I started a little business called Theme Jam. It's actually still there today, you know, still up and running today. It's very much a, a small side business that I rarely touch anymore. But um, you know, just I, I designed a couple of premium WordPress themes, uh, put those up for sale on my own site, and um, and that was my first taste of working on something and then getting paid for it, and it's detached from my time, and yeah. that was pretty exciting. And what was your inspiration for that? How did you know that that was something that was even possible. Did you have some people you were looking up to at the time? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was, um, I was, I was heavily into following uh, Adi Pinar, uh, founder of Blue Themes, co-founder of Blue Themes, and um, uh, Jason Schuler, Press 75, um, uh, Brian Gardner, uh, you know, uh, uh, Studio Press. Um, yeah, so so you know, those guys are kind of like the pioneers of that WordPress themes market. And I mean, when I, when I started you know, like coming across those guys like on, on Twitter and their blogs and things like up until then I I honestly never really considered the idea of getting into products or even calling myself an entrepreneur you know you, you hear a lot of these stories of business owners who are like oh for, ever since I was a young kid I wanted to own my own business and I never thought of it that way I kind of just like one year after the next I kind of just fall into doing this this other thing like when I became a freelancer for the first time I was working at this agency, and I saw that that they were hiring freelancers, and I was like, "Oh, I guess you can be a freelancer at this." Um, so I kind of got into that, and then a few years after that, I see, "Oh, these guys are selling WordPress themes. Huh? I I, I could do that, you know?" Yeah. Um, so I uh, I, I kind of got into it that way. Sometimes it's just knowing that it's something's even possible. You know, if you haven't thought about it before, or you were never introduced to it. Seeing someone else do it, it, it is, it's like, uh, you, <laughs> it's kind of just like a light bulb. You, this whole new world is is available, and so you jumped in. You you 
started creating themes, and and how did that go? What was what was the launch of of uh, of your custom themes like? Yeah, um, you know, I at this point I had done I had no education when it came to launching products or bootstrapping or entrepreneurship or anything. So I I spent months, you know, um, designing and and building all these themes. I I designed this like fancy e-commerce site to sell these themes. I, I spent way much more time and effort on this than I than I probably should have. Um, but then I finally, you know, the launch day came, and, and you know, at this point I'm spending like all nighters, you know, putting this stuff together and really kind of hustling, doing client work during the day as well. Um, it launched, and I remember I was so so afraid that I would I would launch it and there would be no sales, and um, and I did why, I did why, get why a sale. Why was that a fear? Um, why do you think that? Because that comes up all the time. Yeah. Uh, what is it about launching to no sales that scares people so much? I, I guess it's um, it's you know did I just waste all this time and, and energy and um, but at the same time I, I did go into that first thing like this is an experiment like I want to I want to try my hand at this and see if I can do it um, I, I knew I, I didn't expect it to be a, a huge success by any means you know um, but I was I, I just really didn't want it to be a, a total flop like zero sales you know? yeah. Um, and and I had a first sale in that in that first day, and I, I remember like, oh my god, like somebody like is that real? Is, is this order real? You know, um, so that was a really great feeling. And then you know, and, and that that feeling of launching new things it never goes away. I, today, years later, I've launched a number of products business since then. Um, next week, I'll, I'm launching uh, a new course on my site, and I still have that fear right now. You know, yeah. like, it's totally possible that zero people will buy this thing and it, and it freaks me out. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think for me that fear is often more social than anything else. That idea of um, we're, we're pretty transparent these days when we're working on things. We often you know, start um, promoting something before it's even finished or launched. And this idea of releasing something that, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and having people socially know that it didn't work out, I think, yeah. is a big pressure nowadays. Totally, it is. It really is. Um, especially, you know, we we web people. You know, we, we really put ourselves out there. We're we're blogging. We're on Twitter. You know, um, especially if you do what a lot of us do, myself included, is I blog about the things that I'm working on and how they're going and the lessons that I'm learning. And and um, so, you know, I do try to be as as open as I as I can. Um, uh, and if, if it is a total flop, you know, I, I think I will uh, talk about it. And um, so, you know, you know, I, I try to like share these lessons, and and, and, I, and I also try to learn things the hard way. I think that's a really important. That, that's that's kind of guided me the whole way through. Is like just get to that launch, see what goes right, see what goes wrong, and learn something and do it better the next time. What, what do you mean learn things the hard way? What does that mean for you? I'm all about learning by doing. You know, you, you can you, you can read business books, and I, I read a couple of them here and there, but I never really, that doesn't really help me in, in, in my career. That might give me some inspiration. Um, and there are all sorts of really great bloggers and podcasts to tune into, but again, I, I kind of just tune into those just for inspiration. The things that I've really learned that I've, 
that have helped me move forward and get from point A to point B. It's from trying it. It's from putting in the hours and getting my hands dirty and, and also putting myself out there and exposing myself and, and having that fear. You know, it's going through all of that. Um, that's what has really pushed me from one level to the next, for sure. Yeah. I've got a question from the chat room here. Helen wants to know, if you do you know where that first sale came from? And how did you promote that theme business when you launched it? What were the things you did? Um, hmm, that's a great question. I uh, So this goes back to like 2009, I think, um, when I launched that, or maybe 2000, early 2010 or something. So I, it's hard for me to really remember. Um, I was blogging, and I... And I did, I, I was on Twitter, but I didn't have much of a following back then. Um, How did people hear about it then? How did people know that you even had something for sale that was worth buying? I'm trying to remember, actually. <laughs> I think I was running some Google AdWords. I think I probably tried that. Okay. Um, and I, I did... I had something like maybe five or 600 Twitter followers, which, you know, which was not that many, but I... You know, I I think maybe one or two of them helped share it. Um, eventually, I don't know if this happened from day one, but at some point, uh, Theme Jam was accepted into the um, uh, WordPress.org uh, commercial theme vendors page. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that definitely helped, and that still helps today. I mean, we, you know, that drives whatever sales we're we're getting today for sure. Um, and um, so we're on that page. Of course, that brings in a lot of traffic. Uh, I don't remember if that happened from day one or not, but it, it was soon after the launch. So that's, yeah. I don't know where the first customer came from, but the first few in the first months probably came that way. So you tried a few things. You had a sale. You're excited. You kind of caught the bug. Uh, what did you do after? What did you do after launching Theme Jam? What was the next thing? Yeah, so um, I added a couple of themes to Theme Jam. And um, I tried to grow it that way, and that, that helped a little bit. Um, I, I I probably ended up adding about four or five themes. I think today I've narrowed that down to only three or four, and um, it turned out like only one or two of them were, were kind of like big sellers, and they and they've sold over the years. And then I focused on um, building one very specialized theme called WP Bids. Okay. And I launched that. And again, that, that's still around today. And what that was, so I was a freelancer. I wrote a lot of proposals for, for my web design work. And I wanted a way to create those in WordPress with like a really nice looking um, way to present it, like a web-based proposal. And um, so I created a theme for creating proposals. And uh, that was kind of like a specialized product from, from Theme Jam. And then I even gave it like its own its own site at wpbids.com. And that, that's, that's continued to do pretty well as, as well. And, and since that was kind of like a unique product, like creating proposals using WordPress, um, you know, a few people blogged about that and, and, and kind of spread it around. And, you know, people kind of talked about it a little bit. So, so that kind of drove some of those sales. How did, how did you know that was going to be a good product? How did you know that was something people needed or wanted? Again, you know, I didn't do any kind of like customer validation or anything, and that was totally scratching my own itch. I wanted to create proposals myself using WordPress, and I also thought it would be a cool idea for a product, so I just went ahead and built it. 
<laughs> Interesting. Yeah, um, and, and like obviously, that's probably not the, the smartest way to go about things. Um, and it didn't turn into a massive uh, quit your day job type of business for me or anything. But um, but it, it sold and it continues to sell, and it's you know um, I've been pretty happy with it. Yeah. And what was your inspiration to build things on top of WordPress? You know, for me, um, I was always using WordPress for my client work. And uh, so that's just the platform that I've come to know the most about and become comfortable with. And then I know all the resources around WordPress, like the plugins, and also develop relationships with other developers and contractors that I would bring in on client projects. So. It, that just made everything easier for me, you know. Um, and later on, when it came time to build Restaurant Engine, I had all the pieces in place. Like I knew I was going to use WordPress. I knew I was going to use multi-site. I knew I was going to work with this developer, and we're going to plan it out this way. And, and just I knew the system inside and out. So for for me, it made sense. I, I know that you know a lot of developers out there have have their qualms with WordPress, you know, um, for various reasons. And I think um, I think there there are a lot of merit to those. And it's not the best fit for every type of business. And even for like as like a CMS, there are other CMS out there that, that are um, they do a perfectly fine job sometimes and a better job. But um, but for me as a bootstrapper, it it allowed me to get all the resources together quickly and and, and move forward. Yeah. So what happened, because uh, eventually you launched uh, Restaurant Engine, which is one of your main products now. Was there anything else in between uh, Theme Jam and Restaurant Engine? Yeah, there, there were quite a few. <laughs> um, there, there were some things that, uh, that never even got off the ground, and, um, and then there were some that did and that, uh, that I'm no longer in. So I can, I can talk about a few of them. <laughs> Um, so like the things I got, never got off the ground, you know, I, I, I kind of partnered up with a couple of different people. One was, um, at one point I wanted to launch like, uh, some kind of, some kind of app to be, um, to help me manage my network of contractors that I, that I was built, like I was building a lot of these mini teams as I was doing the web work and I started to build up like a, like a web virtual agency. And I wanted like an app to help me manage the hiring process and managing my team. Um, I started partnering with a developer on that, and you know, different commitment issues and, and, and everything, and that you know, it just never even made it to launch. Um, another one, I was I was um, working uh, with my friend Brad Tunar, another WordPress developer. Uh, we were we were going to launch something around um, sending referral business, like. For, Freelancers get all this overflow work, and you need to refer it out to another freelancer. Um, we were going to set up some kind of like marketplace for that. Um, again, an idea. We started doing mockups and everything, but it just never really. We I think we both got too busy doing other things and never never made it to launch. Um, then in 2013, and this was at, so okay, so I launched Restaurant Engine, but but then in 2013 I kind of took my eye off the ball of, with Restaurant Engine, and I joined up with two other guys uh, to start uh, an app called Sweet Process. 
And um, this was, uh, and this is an app that still exists today. I, I was one of the three co-founders, and together we 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 built it. Um, there was a developer, uh, another guy, kind of doing the business marketing stuff, and I was in charge of all the design for Sweet Process. Um, we launched that really quickly, and we had some paying customers, uh, and it actually did pretty well, and it started to grow. Um, but it was through that year of 2013 that. I was also very, very heavily involved in, in Restaurant Engine, and, and I was splitting my time between the two, um, and writing a lot on Cash Jam, and I and doing books and everything. So, long story short, by the end of 2013, I was spread way too thin, and I had to make a very uh, difficult decision to to uh, step out of Sweet Process and focus uh, solely on on Restaurant Engine. That's that's what happened. Huh. So. You were pretty driven. You you were <laughs> driven to get you know keep doing new things, keep releasing new stuff. What was driving you all this time to do all this stuff? I guess I guess you can say driven. I I, I don't know. I, I think part of it is um, I mean you know the classic like shiny object syndrome. You see you see an idea, you see an opportunity, you just stop everything and you go after it. And and that's that's kind of. That was the way I operated for a while there, and that's what led me into all these different uh, projects and businesses. Um, you know, I, I think I think what I learned is is really the, the power of, of focus and and how much how much that that truly helps when you're trying to grow something, you know, from one level to the next level. Yeah. Um, when you have your eye on, on an end goal for one thing. If you're working on two end goals in parallel, it's a very difficult thing to do, and and that's that was kind of like the big lesson that I learned. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and what was it about Restaurant Engine that you said, you know, I've got to focus on this. This is the one thing I'm going to, you know, this is the basket I'm going to put my eggs in. Yeah. So I started I started that in um, I think I launched it in 2012, early 2012, and um, and it. It slowly grew in 2012, and then it, it continued to grow in 2013. But again, in 13, I was starting to really lose that focus, getting spread into all these other projects. Um, and Restaurant Engine was continuously growing until the end of 2013, when it kind of plateaued. And that was kind of a big wake-up call for me. Um, when that's when I really learned that I'm not focused enough. And if I continue to to go down this path, it that stagnation is going to turn into a, a dip, and um, and then I regained that focus and it, and it went back up. I guess the reason why I I chose that is because I, I I started it earlier. I was really um, invested in that um, in terms of time, in terms of the money that I spent on it, and um, and just you know I, I grew it from the ground up and it ha it, it was thriving, it was growing. I I, I couldn't just let it. Like flounder, so I, I kind of stuck with that, and um, and, that, and that's kind of where I'm where I'm at today. Yeah, and why restaurants? What why that sounds like a hard <laughs> thing actually. Sell, selling websites to restaurants. Uh, what was it about that market uh, that made you choose it? So it's a good question. You know, I um, uh, I don't have any special connection to the restaurant industry other than um, you know waiting tables back in college, but. Um, I, the original idea was just that I wanted to do some kind of hosted um, web design service, 
built on Restaurant Engine, uh, built on WordPress. And um, you know, again, I knew WordPress really well. I knew WordPress multi-site. I knew all the ins and outs. I, like the the problem, the pain point that I saw was that a lot of these small business clients, um, they don't they don't know how to put all the pieces together. As easy as it is for us web people to go out and get a web host and install WordPress and find a theme, install the theme, configure the options, get all the plugins that you need, put in your content, customize it. You know, there, there's a lot of know-how there, you know, um, and most small business owners don't even know step one. They don't even know, like, what a web host is. So, you know, um, I wanted to put together a, a totally streamlined solution for getting a high-quality, professionally built WordPress website, like, sign up, a few clicks, and there it is. And um, I, I just kind of saw a big gap there. So I wanted to um, put together like this hosted service. What I found was if, if we just serve everyone, like all sorts of businesses, restaurants, portfolio sites, plumbers, like anyone who wanted a website, there would be way too many variables, um, different requirements, you know. So I knew that I needed to niche down into some kind of vertical that had a similar set of requirements. And then I just started thinking of, okay, there's, there's restaurants, there's lawyers, there's doctors, and, and I think all of them are viable verticals, right? So I kind of landed on restaurants because I saw that as something, you know, worldwide market, um, and it's a very clear feature set. Like every restaurant needs a menu, every restaurant needs to show their hours, they need location information, they need, um, you know, uh, upcoming events and, and um, you know, so I saw like a, a way to really standardize the, um, you know, setting up a website so that then we only need to focus on building those standard features and those options. Yeah. Um, in the last part of this podcast, I want to talk about a few things. So we'll see if we can get through them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is I want to talk about um, what has it been like serving that vertical because. Uh, some there's there's a, a different train of thought which is don't start with a vertical especially a vertical that you don't know um, start with a, a, an audience or a community that you're already a part of and so you've you're you've uh, chosen this uh, this industry basically that you're not a part of so it'd be interesting to see you know, <laughs> how's that worked out for you what have been the challenges yes. uh, would, you, would you do that again uh, the second thing let's get to is just what's What's happening in in WordPress these days, uh, and is that still uh, uh, an ecosystem that it's worth launching products into? So let's start with the first one. Okay. Uh, wh- how how has that been serving restaurants? Would you do it again? <laughs> uh, it it has been difficult. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that you write a lot about you know building audiences and starting with a community that you're already a part of, and I. I, I think that is very wise for sure. Um, I so with Restaurant Engine, I learned a lot of things the hard way again, um, and you know I, I started by um, doing content marketing, and we still do heavily in, with content marketing. We we do a lot of blogging, and and we have an email newsletter for that, and um, and we've done pretty well with the organic search engine rankings. Um, and so that's been our, our main source of traffic. So that is how we actually reach that market. 
Um, and now, when it comes to content marketing, you, you know the conventional wisdom is like you know you, you the founder you do all of the the blogging and the writing yourself and if I'm, and if you're not part of that industry um, you know it is an uphill battle and yeah for, for us it was I mean in the beginning I did write a lot of those articles um, but my whole my entire goal since day one with restaurant engine was to build a business that runs without me you know build it into a um, it just run on autopilot, you know. And uh, one of the first things that I did to remove myself from the service was uh, start to hire writers and kind of systemize and automate that whole process of writing blog articles, getting it out to the email newsletter. So today, that whole thing I, runs completely without me. Um, we can just consistently put out content. My writers are awesome, and they do a great job. And and then I, I also removed myself from all of the other service. Well, I, I guess let me step back. The other big thing that I learned over the years of running Restaurant Engine is um, it went from being like a do-it-yourself SaaS type of service. You know, I wanted it to be any restaurant owner can come on and sign up and create their own site and, and be done with it. Um, it turned into much more a done-for-you service, like a productized service. So we still bill like it's a SaaS software as a service, but um, but we you know today we have like a setup fee and they sign up and we we create their website for them. We actually before that we even do like a phone consultation, sometimes several phone calls with with new leads as they come in. Um, then my team sets up their website, inputs their food menu for them, you know, makes customization tweaks, and then ongoing we make. Um, uh, like updates for it, like they need to change their menu or something, we, we do that for them. It's all done for you. And again, o over the last year or two, I've been, I I've removed myself completely from, from all of this, right? So um, new lead comes in, my, my team calls them up and does the consultation. We have a system and a procedure for that and, and the follow-up sequence. Um, then my support team sets up their website and uh, inputs all their content, they do the back and forth, and it all just gets handled without me, and I, and I just kind of focus on the marketing and the big picture. And um, so, you know, it, it has been like an uphill battle, like me not personally being in that audience. Um, but at the same time, I've just been so focused on systemizing it and, and getting to that goal of building a business that runs and grows without me, that I can focus on other things. And and I think that's. Um, basically what I've done, and, and it's been an evolution. Like, I, I thought it would be totally, like, hands-off, do-it-yourself, and it has turned into productized service and yeah. with building a team and processes and systems. And, you know, but getting to your question about serving your audience, someone, like, a community that you're part of, kind of in parallel, I, I've been doing that with castjam.com, and my blogging and, and teaching, and that is where I am actively trying to serve the people, like my people, you know, mm -hmm. fellow bootstrappers, freelancers getting into bootstrapping products. Um, that's who I'm writing for. That's who I teach courses for. Um, so in that sense, on that side of, of what I do, I'm very much kind of following your, your philosophy there of, like, Serving that audience. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm uh, I'm always kind of revising what I think, and 
you know, the, the nice thing about building something out of the community you're a part of, I mean, the, the, the benefits are obvious. You know, you, you know how to talk to those people. You know where they hang out. You already ha hopefully have some sort of network. You've got a built-in advantage. Uh, sometimes I think we don't cast a wide enough net when we're considering those things. Um, for example, people often default to, um, I'm going to serve DIYers, do-it-yourselfers. And so there's a lot of us that are kind of focused on that market. But, you know, whatever you do for work professionally during the day could also be something. Uh, you could also look at all the customers you've served in the past. There, there are always problems and pain points and needs in, in within our own community that we can look to. But, I mean, I, I was a professional web designer, and I felt the restaurant world is a part of the web that desperately needs the help of professional web designers. Not that I'm by any means um, any better than any other web designer out there, but the sites that my team and I can build are far and away better than most restaurant websites, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of looked at it like um, we, we can use our skills and, and apply it to a different industry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's, again, serving your own audience is still, um, building an audience regardless, no matter what you're doing, I think is still important. Serving a community you're already a part of, I think sometimes we're too narrow and um, and sometimes we're we're we're, st we're still following just what other people have done before us, and um, you know, uh, the what I'm thinking about a lot a lot lately is how what are other communities I'm a part of that aren't being served, and maybe they're not immediately obvious. You know, <laughs> like initially, uh, I would say. You know, my, my audience is product people because I started this podcast and I all of a sudden had an audience. But that was just because of, it, it was the first thing that came to mind. It's like, okay, well, that's an audience I already have. It's a community I'm already part of. But if I keep, if I keep thinking, like, wider and wider, it's like, well, I'm also part of the software development community, like the bigger software development community, um, the a community of managers. You know, there's this big group of people that are managers for a living. Yeah. So I, I like that you're thinking about that too, um, and this idea of kind of expanding what it means to be a part of a group, um, and sometimes also just looking for opportunities. Uh, it's okay to break some rules too, and go yeah. after a market. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's also about thinking about, and, and I did not think about this very much early on in, in the beginning of Restaurant Engine, but um, how how will you reach the market that you're going after? You know, and mm -hmm. I think today I would be a little bit. I would take that much more into account than I did. Like with Restaurant Engine, I I never really even considered that that we would have to rely so heavily on phone sales. We speak over the phone with every new customer, um, and I never considered myself a salesperson. Certainly not a, a telephone salesperson. You know, um, but. You know, when when I realized like that's the only only way to get customers to sign up, it's like, all right, well, I guess we gotta, I guess I gotta figure out how to how to talk on the phone to these people, and then and then I had to figure out how to train someone else to do it, so that I, I didn't have to do it. Um, yeah. So like thinking about how you're going to market and how you're going to reach your audience, um, if it's not in your particular, if you're not part of that community, then 
there, there are certainly avenues that you can take, whether it's systemizing and delegating or even looking at other channels like you know, paid acquisition and, and whatnot. Um, but then, you know, looking at like the blogging and, and teaching and, on, on Cast Jam and everything, that, like, I don't want to outsource any of it because I, I, love, write, I love writing for these people. They're my people, and, and I don't ever want to, you know, really outsource the content creation. Um, I do it because that's what I enjoy doing, doing the most, you know. So it's, um, yeah, there's, there's that kind of flip side to everything. Yeah, exactly. Is is it getting harder to be in your space now? I I'm thinking about especially about Squarespace. is a it's a huge huge competitor, um, and you know they've invested quite a bit in you know making something really low cost and easy to use. Is it yeah? Is, is it I mean, hard, is it becoming harder on the you know the WordPress hosting uh, businesses? You know I think. I think just being a web designer in general, I think all web designers are up against that. Um, you know, yeah, we, we see it for sure. You know, um, Squarespace, uh, you know, GoDaddy site builder. I mean, a lot of small business owners just go to whatever they see first. You know, mm -hmm. um, and I, I, you know, I, I do think that especially as a, as a bootstrapped business, there's more than enough room in the world to serve your niche market, you know. We have a tiny, tiny drop of a sliver of the restaurant market, you know, and, and, and it probably won't ever get much bigger than, you know, bigger than that. Um, and um, so... How, how do you compete with those folks? What are, what are some things... Yeah, do, like, are you actively trying to differentiate yourself or... Um, yeah, I mean, we do a few things to, to position ourselves, right? So... Um, in, in conversations when I'm talking to, to new customers about that, they bring up, or they say, like, you know, we're currently using GoDaddy or we're currently using Squarespace or something. The, the response that we have is, look, we are built for restaurants. And number one, we're, we, we've des we're designed specifically for restaurants and food trucks. We get a lot of them as well. Um, and um, so, you know, our feature set is perfectly designed to exactly what you need and then we talk about that. The other piece is that look, it, it's a professionally designed website. We're giving you everything that hiring a, a web designer would give you at literally at a fraction of the cost. I mean, we so so what we've been trying to do, and I think I think successfully, I hope, is that we don't compete so much with the free versions and the do-it-yourself website builders. We're a productized service, so we're competing with hiring the local web designer down the street. Mm -hmm. And and we even have a graph like on our website, like restaurant engine versus hiring a web designer. And you know, you can pay a couple thousand dollars to hire a web designer, but then you have to go find your own hosting. And you need a mobile site. That usually costs a little bit extra. And you need this and you need that. And and then you just line it all up. It's like, all right, well, we have professionally designed templates that they're all mobile optimized. Um, but Cost is a fraction of, of, of the average cost of hiring a freelancer, um, you know. So it's it, it becomes kind of a no-brainer when you position it the right way. Yeah. Now you've been talking a lot about productized service uh, lately. What is a productized service? Yeah. So you know, again, with Restaurant Engine, we've kind of evolved into the into this. And so 
I've been writing and teaching a lot about this. Um, my new course called Productize, of course, is all about this. And basically, the way that I define a productized service is it's it's one specific service with one highly compelling value proposition packaged at a set price and a set scope. So you compare that to the typical freelancer or consulting engagement where you have to do like these discovery meetings and you needs analysis and you write up a long proposal and you have to give an estimate and you figure out all the different requirements and then you give them the price quote and then maybe or maybe not they take you up on it. This is much different. This is, look, we do A, B, and C and it's designed for you, the ideal customer. Here's the price. Buy now. You know, it's no negotiation, no discovery process. Um, and then it's it, the other piece of this is that it is a done-for-you service. It's not a do-it-yourself. It's, it's not necessarily software. You might use software to help streamline your process, but it's um, it's it's a done-for-you service, which can then be it can it can be designed to run with you, like staying small, solo, like a productized consulting. Um, situation, or it can be a productized service where it's designed to scale up processes, systems. You know, building a team, delegating as the founder. You know, removing yourself. Um, and you know, I, I've been talking to so many of these uh, founders of productized services and all these case study interviews. You know, you got someone like like Dan Norris, WP Curve, right? Um, they are growing like crazy. They're, I think they're hiring like a new employee every single week. When I spoke to them a couple weeks ago, they had 20 employees. They're adding customers like crazy. They do manually, they do live customer support for WordPress sites. And this is all done manually. This is, you know, speaking to customers. And, um, and they've been able to scale that up, systemize it, um, and, it and it kind of it just runs like a machine. And then on the other end, you have productized consultants, right? Um, I, just before this call, I was talking to uh, Jared Drysdale, who launched a landing page in a day. It does what it sounds like it, like it does. You know, he'll design and write the copy for your landing page in one day, and there's a set price on that. And I think within the first week, he actually booked like seven of these landing page in a day projects. Um, so you just see, like, this is kind of becoming a really exciting alternative to like. The um, you know the like freelance like the freelance model of, of doing things and it's also you know if you're bootstrapping a product you want to get into building a software product or you want to transition from being a freelancer to being a product business. I, the other thing that I'm hearing in all these case studies is that like a productized service helps you launch so much quicker. I mean, Jared literally launched his thing in one day. And had a paying customer like by day two. Um, I spoke to Adam Clark. He does WP Theory. I mean, he launched the thing in a weekend. And, and like you know, just launching to paying customers, just by off packaging up one specific service. Um, of course, there's a lot more that goes into it. You know, you got to develop a strong value proposition and and know who your who your customer is, who your audience is, and all, and all that. But um, yeah. And what's the process? for doing this. So if you were a freelancer sitting at home listening to this right now, what kind of process would you do to discover that thing that you should offer and where would you go from there? Yeah, that, you know, that's a great question. Um, 
So, uh, so you know, it, it's all about finding your, your one thing, and it's really about focus. Um, you have to first. You have to shift your mindset from as a freelancer, as a consultant. Typically, you'll do anything, right? Like somebody comes to you with the need for for a website or an application, and okay, let's let's talk about it because I can build basically anything. This is we don't do everything and anything. We do one thing. Um, so it's about figuring out what your one service is and who your one customer is. So you don't want to serve everyone and, ev and everyone. It's just like, how can I make this the most ideal service for the ideal customer? Um, in choosing your one thing, you know, just look to what you're doing right now. Um, look at the things that that have come up if you're if you're doing these consulting projects. Like, what is the one thing that that client, new clients always ask for? Um, and especially, what what are those things that that they're paying for, or what are the what are the things that they include in a scope that are kind of like they they seal the deal? Like if it wasn't in there, they probably wouldn't have gone with you. You want to look for those things that clients are willing to pay for, and ideally have paid you for in the past. Um, you know that that shows that there's some real value there. That there's a real problem with the solution um, that's kind of worth exploring. Mm-hmm. That's actually some advice that uh, goes into all sorts of spheres, including finding, you know, what, how do I figure out what marketing to do? How do I fig figure out what, you know, thing to offer? Um, this is something Heaton Shaw told me when I was in San Francisco. He said, uh, whenever I asked him for his advice, like what's working for him, he said, no, 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 don't ask me about me. What's working for you right now? So, you know. If you're uh, thinking about a new product idea, what do people? What kind of questions are people asking you right now? What are some things you've done for people that they go, man, that was so helpful? I, that you know, what what's the Excel spreadsheet that you made at work that everyone, you know, just went crazy over? Uh, and it works for marketing too. So if you see, you know, how do how am I getting? Even if you only have one customer or two or three, what did you do to get those customers? What's already working and doing more of that? Totally, couldn't agree more. I mean, talking to customers, I, I should, the better way of saying it is listening to customers, right? And putting yourself in a place where you can listen to customers. Um, that means getting on calls. That means manning the live chat on your site. That means doing the emails and, and just listening for those questions. And if you're a freelancer, you know, you're in these meetings with new prospects, talking about getting new consulting projects and, what are the questions that come up again and again and again? You know, they always pop up. Like, there's always some kind of pattern there. And, and, then, you, and then you start to dig into those. You, you say, well, why, why does that matter so much? What is it about your business or your situation that, what's driving that? Or can you give me an example of that? You know, just really get to know your customer. And the more you focus in on that one customer and then the more you learn about them, um, the easier everything else gets, right? Like, you know, we all struggle with, like, writing a landing page. You know, how do I write this headline? How is it going to resonate? Or I'm writing a, a new blog post. Like, I, you know, how is this thing going to get shared 100 times? You know, how, how do I know that what I'm writing about is really, um, really going to matter to people? If you know who, who it is on the other end, and you've written about this, you know, really, like, having empathy for that person. Mm-hmm. Um, putting yourself in their in their shoes, knowing which questions are are in their minds, 
and just writing the answer, you know. Um, it, it like everything else just becomes so much easier when you, when you know them. Yeah, and so what? Let's let's close with this. How would you? What's the next step? How would you validate uh, that you know you have a good idea for a productized service? What what's the next step people should take? Yeah, so you know the the process that I, I've been kind of laying out is you know start with what you're doing and throw up a landing page. It's I mean these days it, it is so easy to like literally launch something in a weekend. Um, I mean, by the way, back to Dan Norris. I mean, he literally launched a paying customers in less than a week, I think. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, launch some kind of landing page, or even like write up an email and send it to your list or your networks or you know clients that you've been speaking to. Get it in front of people as quickly as possible, right? And would you have like everything built by then, or just like no. the idea on a landing page? Idea on a landing page, nothing else, and um, you know. Uh, Get it in front of people and then get on calls with them. I, I usually recommend trying to get on at least 10 calls and have a whole list of customer interview questions and, again, doing those like follow-ups, like really digging in. Um, you'll learn a lot on those, and then, you, and then you'll go back to that landing page and rework it based on what you've learned. What kind of questions are you asking in the phone call? Yeah, so, um, you know, you start off like building rapport. Like, what are you, what are you working on? Tell me about... Tell me about your history, like where are you coming from, what led you to where you're at today, and then what really matters is where do you want to go tomorrow and where do you want to go in the next 12 months. Um, what you know, what, what's kind of standing in your way? What is the biggest hurdle between uh, today and, and a year from now? What do you need to learn that you don't that, that you're not really sure of yet? Um, and then listening to their answers and then coming up with 10 follow-up questions based on what they told you. You know, um, uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, then once you really internalize all that customer feedback, you work it back into the landing page and get it out there and see if see if people are, are willing to pay for it. You know, you can um, all all sorts of ways you can kind of promote it from there. And, and that's again that with productized services, it's a manual process. You don't need to go out and build fancy software. You can add that stuff later, streamline it later, but you can get a paying customer on, on day one just doing everything manually. And do you think that's the best way to see if people will pay you money is to put out this landing page, put a price on it, and do it so quickly and not even, like, I guess you have to be willing and able to hustle and do the work if someone pays. But is that the idea? You just put it out and then, okay, if someone pays, you know you've got some, some validation there? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, if, if people are paying for it, that's, you know, that's a, a, a great form of validation, right? It's always, validation is a tough word, you know, because it's, when is it truly validated? Is Are two paying customers really a validated business? Like, can it grow? Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, of course, you should, you should keep going if people are paying you for it. Um, and, you know, it, and if you don't have the response right away, still talk to your customers um, and follow up with them, like, why is this not valuable? What is it about this that's not connecting? I, I just want to understand where you're coming from. Um, what is it about your current situation that's not connecting? And, you know, and, then, and then you learn from that. Like, is, it, is it that you're not the, the ideal customer for this, or, or am I, have I put the pitch or the, or the scope? Is that not quite right? You know, just really getting, you know, figuring that out. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, this has been great, Brian. Um, tell us where we can find out more about this course you're offering. Yeah, so um, you know, my, my site is castjam.com. I do have a free version of the course, like a crash course. Um, that's right on the homepage of castjam.com. Uh, and then the course is opening on, um, on October 21st, and uh, that's at castjam.com slash productize. And um, you can always, uh, I'm on Twitter, castjam, and uh, any questions or anything, you know, feel free to email me, brian at castjam.com. Cool. Well, thanks and, so much. Uh, for... oh, I also uh, co-host the, the the Bootstrap Web podcast with uh, with Jordan Gal. You you were recently on there as well, so that was a lot of fun. Yes, yes. Go and check out Brian's podcast for sure. Uh, bootstrappedweb.com. Uh, it's a great podcast, especially if you're interested in bootstrapping and uh, and do you talk about productized services on there too? Yeah, we do, and you know we we kind of. We bat around a lot of different topics. We also talk about our personal updates and everything. And um, I think uh, probably next week's uh, episode will be about productized services as well. So yeah, I think for anyone that's listening right now, that's been wanting to release something, and you, it's been now months and or years, and you still haven't done anything. I'd really recommend that you go check out Brian's course, because the uh, I found for myself this is something that actually helped me get unstuck. So I offered, uh, I guess, a form of productized service, which is a webinar. You take some information, you you uh, get people to pay a hundred or two hundred dollars for an hour or two, and uh, you're giving them consulting, I guess, uh, as a product. And uh, it it really helped me get unstuck. So if you're someone that's sitting at home and you're thinking about, man, I I really want to release something, and uh, I don't want, I'm tired of you know, working forever on these things that never launch, uh, go check out Brian's course and uh, see if you can maybe learn how to do productized services. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. Cool. Well, we will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. There you go. Nice, big, long episode for you. Like I said, go check out castjam.com. Brian's course is out right now, and I highly recommend it. Also, if you're not on my email newsletter list, I send a new newsletter every weekend about all this stuff, building products, building an audience, marketing products. If that sounds like your jam, go to justinjackson.ca slash newsletter. All right, I will see you next week. Beauty. Thanks, Brian. Let me uh, stop the broadcast here. Thanks, everyone who is listening live. Uh, cue the heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, we'll cue the heavy metal here. For all the people in Product People Club that might be watching this, this is the dungeon here. I'm in a vault. It was like a, uh, it's like a bank vault, but it's actually from a post office. This is our new co-working facility. And we, this is where I've been wow. relegated to recording. So this is... The basement of an old post office. Yeah, it's like... Uh, these are all... I think it's concrete or something, but it's... It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. I think the benefit is if I'm 
podcasting and there's a nuclear holocaust, I will survive in here. You wouldn't <laughs> even do it. You, know? <laughs> you, you won't miss an episode. Uh, so. Yeah, that's right. There would be an episode even if there was a nuclear holocaust. Yep. All right, so I'm going to click stop. Thanks again, everybody. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.